0: show that's breaking all the rules started out from va and now we on the move from so to global because we got Came from the bottom, now we at the tippy top to hold it down for our people because we all we yeah. got. This a cold, cold world, but we're keeping it hot. I yeah. put you on the line, ain't no time to stop. all work over here, still we having fun. Yeah, we say it like it is, ain't no holding our tongue. Go tone. get us on the team, yeah, yeah we're getting it, it done. It and shout out to you bell, yeah, you number one. one. It started with a dream that turned into a vision. Now, educating new generations is our mission. Ears <laughs> to the streets, yeah, we study politics, and if it ain't about to change, mind your business. Wait Wave your hands with it, Wait again the Wave wavy hands with it, and wait again, minute Wave your hands with it, we toxic, like we all up on the ground with it, and
1: wait a game in it, wavy hands with it, and wait again, wave your hands with it, and wait again, wave your hands with it, we toxic, like we all up on the ground with it. Good afternoon. Today is welcome to Way to Game minute Podcast. Today is Tuesday. Um what is today? April the film, 2022. Oh,
2: Miss go get a, How sorry. you not know what today is? Right, when every bill at the first of the month is due by today. So you wanted to actually just forget the day? Forget the day.
1: Absolutely. I see. Well, today we have a good episode. Today is about HIV and AIDS awareness. We have Mr. M- um, Nathaniel Holy. Am I pronouncing that right? Holly? It's Holly. Uh, just like Holly, Holly. Okay, I'm sorry. Um Thank you for accepting our invitation. Thank you for coming on to you know let everyone know that don't know, and um even including us, including us. Did you say something? No, he didn't say. Oh, anything. okay. Look, like, he was there. What is, at the, no, is, what is going on with you today? No, I don't know, you, know y'all. I think girl, it's because I'm, 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 I'm really hot right now. But anyway, um, we just want to welcome you and um coming to share with everyone, giving us this information, and so. How How was your your day? Right.
3: My day. My day was good. Um, I went to the chiropractor, um, which has been like an amazing little thing. They have these um, like, um, I work out a lot. So uh, I work out like five days a week. So I've started to try to incorporate different things to kind of like help my body recover. And Mm -hmm. so they, they have this cupping technique that they do there. And so like where they put the cups on your back. And it, like, helps, like, draw blood and, like, you separate the skin and, like, help you recover. So I just started, like, getting that done. So, uh, and it feels great. It hurts a little bit at first, but it actually, like, it really helps you recover from, from like, heavy lifting. Oh, that's why. I really helps oh. you.
2: So it helps you with, with weight lifting. hmm Oh, I never heard of that. You heard of that before, Gail? Me, me oh. either, but, you know, I don't lift weight, so yeah. I don't know. I don't even work out. Right. So how was your day today, Gail? My day was good. My voice is coming back a little bit. So I'm oh. going to apologize early on because um mm-hmm. my, my voice is, is, is going in and out. But other than okay. that, my day was good. Okay. I can't complain. But okay. well, that's good. So, Mr. Holly, can you please introduce yourself to our viewers and listeners? I'll wait again a minute.
3: Yeah, sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Nathaniel Holly. Um, I'm the executive director of the Freelux Project, which is a nonprofit that um, does HIV awareness uh, here in the Dallas, Texas area. We throw different events, uh, we host panels, and uh, it was just a way for me to kind of ramp up my level, my advocacy uh, in terms of HIV and how it's affecting the community. Um, just to be perfectly honest and, and get it out there, um, I'm HIV positive. I've been living with HIV for 10 years, and um, I've been able to kind of find a journey to um, to wholeness and, and create like, a really good life for myself, even with living with HIV, and so I want other people to know that, you know, the diagnosis doesn't change anything. Um, you can still live a full life. You can still, you know, have a better life, you know, even than you did before, because um, sometimes even um, people weren't as aware of their health before um, diagnosis. then they become very aware of their bodies and what they are doing to their bodies and what they eat and how they kind of take mm-hmm. care of themselves. So. Um, So, yeah, so, you know, my mission is just to kind of like spread the word to let everybody know that HIV doesn't have a look. um, It doesn't have a scent or a smell. You know, everybody needs to be careful. Everybody needs to be Mm -hmm. aware and everybody should be going out and getting tested and and just Mm -hmm. being careful.
2: Absolutely. Now, let's talk a little bit about you first. When you found out that you were, in fact, HIV positive. What was going through your mind?
3: I remember, um, I was at, I was at work that day. Um, and so I had a meeting and so, you know, maybe two weeks before that I was, um, I kind of got like sick. I had a headache, a migraine and my face, had kind of broke out and I've kind of always had pretty clear skin. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, uh, went to the, um, urgent care just thinking, you know, it's probably going to be something minor. Um, maybe mm-hmm. I got some type of little infection. So, um, they called me and was like, you know, you need to come in. And so when I went in, um, they were like, um, yeah, Mr. Holly, you tested positive for HIV. And so, mm-hmm. um, I like dropped my keys. I just like, kind of like the world stopped for a moment. Um, right. cause you know, that's not news that anybody wants to hear, um, or that right. anybody's really like expecting to hear no matter what you're out here doing, like that's news that nobody can be ready for. And so, um, you know, in that moment, I just kind of, you know, had to like sucked it up after that. Um, I didn't cry initially, uh then I went back to work.
2: You and went back I, to work uh, after? Yeah, after receiving the work. news?
3: Yeah. Okay. Um I went to work and then I worked the rest of my day. And then I called my best friend and um and told him, you know, I needed to, you know, talk to him and and okay. to get together. And um we went out that night and I let him know, you know the news I got. And that was the first moment I kind of like, you know, broke down a little bit and you know, kind of absorbed it because I just felt like, you know, I couldn't do that at work. I still had things I needed to do. And mm-hmm. once again, I was prioritizing like my work and, and my emotions um, and mm-hmm. kind of how I operated. So. So, yeah, that was that day. And uh, after that day, um, it was a, it started a new journey for me um, just in terms of who Nathaniel was and who I'm he sure.
1: is. sure. Right. Right. So when you went into the urgent care, did they the symptoms that you was having, was that considered a HIV um symptom or did they just test for everything? And that just happened to be one of the things No, they, they tested, tested
3: for everything. They tested for like syphilis, um, like uh herpes, gonorrhea, chlamydia, you know, like that the whole spectrum of um STIs okay. uh, to see what it could be. Um and so yeah. That ended up up being the diagnosis.
1: Wow. Oh, okay. Okay. So it wasn't like they were saying, oh, since you have this something, we're going, okay. So now you say it's been 10 years. How would you say the medicine's been from 10 years ago to today?
3: The medicine has gotten a lot better, um, a lot better. Initially, when um, I first tested positive, um, they had me on a cocktail of like three different pills um, Mm -hmm. to like get my viral load down. Um, which is, um, so just to give you some information about HIV. So when you, when you're HIV positive and you're not on any type of medication, the virus can replicate. And so, um, once it replicates, um, it starts to basically attack your, your white blood cells. And so then you have less white blood cells in in your body to actually fight infection. If you do get sick. Okay. And so, um, initially they want to get my viral load down to a level to where it wasn't affecting my immune system at all. So they got me on three pills which was, um, it was heavy at the time. It was doing Mm. a lot to my body. Um, it made my eyes kind of jaundice. Um, it, um, it, it kind of made me depressed. Um, it, it affected me in a lot of different ways. And so, um, I, um, eventually, you know, talked to my doctor about it and, and try to figure out, you know, some different regimens that they had. And so they actually came up with some new medications. So instead of Mm -hmm. taking three pills, I could take one pill. And it kind of cleared up a lot of those different issues for me. Um, I had a lot more clarity. Um, My viral load stayed undetectable. And, um, you know, I was able to just kind of go back to living my life as normal.
1: Okay. Okay. And can you explain to us, I know a lot of people, um, someone just be, Test positive for HIV, but everyone will say no, they have AIDS or vice versa. Can you explain to us what is the difference between HIV and AIDS?
3: Okay, so having HIV means that you have the virus inside of your body. Okay. Um, and that may be at a certain different level. Um, when you have AIDS, that means that your T cells have dropped to a, a point to where you cannot fight any infection. Okay. And, and so that is what a, uh, that is what detect like uh, AIDS is. It's where, so now you're, you're immunodeficient mm-hmm. and, and your, your immune system is compromised. And so that's when your white blood cell, uh, count okay. like below 200, like there's mm-hmm. like a threshold of like, um, between zero to maybe 1500 in terms of like your white blood cells. Okay. So if you're in the AIDS category, you have less than 200 white blood cells per per milliliter or whatever the the concentration is. So um, if you're undetectable, you're, your T cell count should be anywhere between 600, you know, anywhere to 1300, 1500. It can be, you know, it can range anywhere between those. And you're still oh, considered okay. just HIV positive and not technically in the category of having AIDS. I mean, eight,
1: so that so was you the can big.
3: have HIV, you can go into the category of having AIDS and then go back into having just HIV and not necessarily have the diagnosis of Oh, AIDS. and I didn't know
1: that. So the again. AIDS
3: diagnosis is basically just a, a technical medical threshold And that they throw out that you can go into. And that is when you're more immunocompromised. But everybody that has HIV is not immunocompromised.
1: Right. See, oh, so that was something I didn't know that. I didn't know. So basically, it's just a matter of the level of your white blood count determines whether it's AIDS or HIV.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so that's why at the beginning, the doctor gave you those three pills to keep you from going into the AIDS threshold. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, so the the pills basically like they 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 would suppress their their viral suppressants, and so they suppress it enough to where um it doesn't replicate anymore. And so if it's not replicating, then it's not doing any damage. You can't transmit it. It's not affecting your body. And that's the goal. The longer you go being HIV positive and not on treatment or any type of regimen, the worse off, where the more damage can be done to your body because your immune system is then compromised or can be, and you don't know it. And so um then if you get sick and then you know your body's trying to like ramp up the white blood cells to kind of fight something, it's not able to do it. And so, you know, that's why people usually don't die from AIDS, they die from like some type of complication from oh from from AIDS or something like that's done something, something to the body to where now you almost you can't recover.
1: Mm. Okay, so it's the infection that's caused by AIDS, not actual AIDS.
3: Actually, yeah. Gotcha.
2: Wow. Okay, now you are a distinguished gentleman, you know, when you found out, you, you know, you told me that you were a graduate of Morehouse. So you were living the American dream. Like, so tell us a little bit about, you know, where you were what you were doing and a little bit about your background.
3: Sure. Sure. So just to give some of my my history, I'm originally from Dayton, Ohio. That's where I was born and raised. Um, So I'm from the Midwest. Um, uh, Leaving there, I went to Morehouse, um, majored in political science and international studies. That was a, you know, that was literally like school days. Um, right. The movie was my experience in college. So shout out to more sure.
4: Um
3: After that, I went um, overseas to South Korea for a year to teach English. Um, and so um, I did that to get some international experience, um, you know, f- learn more about the world, more about myself and just kind of like, you know, figure things out, you know, after college.
4: Mm-hmm. And then when
3: I came back, I moved to Chicago for two years. Um, so I started kind of like getting my career going. I was working at a law firm, just kind of like, you know, trying to figure out if I was going to go to law school or not. And um, when I um, when I got into a couple of law schools and they wanted me to like pay for it, because this was like right mm-hmm. after the housing crisis in 2008. Okay. And um, so like the job market was bad. And so everybody was going back to school. So the law schools weren't giving out as much money as they were before. So I would have had to take out loans. So I was like, well, I'm not about to do that. So I ended up um, moving to D.C. um, and becoming a paralegal. And um, I was working there, working my way up to and I ended up um, managing the law firm as a senior paralegal Mm -hmm. um, just with my degree. And um, that is when, you know, I was I got my own place. You know, I was you know, living the good life, having a hard, right. you know, I'm in D.C., you know, it's the right. City, you know, yeah. it's Howard right <laughs> here, like it's on. Right. And so, um, you know, that was the time that I was in. But there was a bit of trauma that I went through in between that time. Um, like after college, uh, that is when, you know, I was kind of outed to my family by um, by somebody. They didn't know oh, I was wow. gay, or at least my whole family didn't know I was gay. And right. so, because I had dated women literally up until like college, and even through college and in some aspects and sometimes. And so for them, that was kind of like a shock. And so that created like a strain in a lot of my relationships because that's how I actually ended up, ended up in D.C. Because um, my dad, when he found out, like he basically gave me an ultimatum and I ended up having to leave. Um, and oh, so wow. I didn't have anywhere to go. And so I ended up moving to D.C. because a friend of mine was like, you know, your resume would do great out here. Right, um, right. You'd be able to have a lot more opportunities. And so um, I moved out there and, and did that. And so, um, you know, all these things kind of just like led me into a relationship with a guy who I was with for a year mm-hmm. before I found out he was HIV positive.
4: Oh, and God. so
3: that was like, like a whole stop the presses, like time, out, like, you know, like, let me reassess. And, um, I just had to like, um, it, kind of, it affected me and like my self-esteem in some kind of way. I didn't deal with it. I just kind of like moved on. Mm-hmm. And so like me and me not dealing with it, I didn't test positive right away. Like I tested negative six months after, like nine mm-hmm. months after. But then like a year afterwards is when I actually tested positive. So it wasn't him, mm-hmm. but that affected my mentality. And it affected the levels of risk that I decided to take after that. And because okay. it, it affected how I loved me. Like I loved this person and we were together for a whole year. And then you, then I find out basically by cleaning up the house and I find some medical records that you're HIV positive, like oh, child, gosh. like I'm so, going to jail, like, you know.
1: So you didn't find out by from him or from a family <laughs> member or from no, a friend, no, no. you I found, found out, I out by I found accident. some
3: medical records and I just was like low-key being nosy <laughs> and read it. And I was like, Um, oh my God, like, are you serious? Like this is this is not happening.
1: So did you say anything to him? Like Oh yeah, because we were living
3: together. Um, so he came home and I was like, I I basically like did one of those Angela Bassett moments (laughs) and threw the medical records on the table and was like, Can you tell like I need you to explain this to me? Right. That's and right. like That's tell right. me if it, it what I read is true. Cause you know, I can take that all day, but you owe me the respect enough at this point to to, to yeah. verbalize it to me. And so he did. And um, you know, I I basically was like, you know, I, I'm a very mature person mm-hmm. and I always empathize with people that is one of my strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And so um, you know, in that moment I was like, I understand you know, I understand why you didn't tell me. I understand that it can be difficult to navigate and you feel like right. nobody's going to want you or nobody's going to want to be with you or or anything of that nature. But what I can't do is accept it or forgive it. I can understand it, but I cannot accept it or forgive it. And so that was really the end of us. And so, um, you know, I moved on, moved out, got my own place, got, you know, that whole situation. And um, you know, I was like anti-relationship. And so because I'm like a serial monogamous, you know, I'm not really in the like practice of using condoms. Like I just like, you know, I, that's just not something that I really enjoy because I've typically been in long-term monogamous relationships. So when I'm in my single life, it's just like, eh, like, you know, how you navigate that based on something that you've already created as a habit, you know, just to be honest. Right. And so it puts you in a situation to where now you're exposed to risk. So, you know that was the situation that I was in, and I ended up going to get checked out and testing positive. And I saw somebody say, like, "How do we do? How do we deal with the fact that this has been associated with being a gay man's disease?" Um, I mean, gay men were um, personified as the image of HIV from its inception, so it's almost um, culturally embedded for everybody to associate g- HIV with gay men, right. which is why it's affecting the the a country the way that it is or the world the way that it is because it's almost like if you're not gay then you don't have to be worried about it but it's not mm-hmm. just about being gay it's also about being black it's also being about being a man or a black man it's also about being a black woman or part of a disenfranchised group because the numbers are not the same in other groups like in what in the white community their right. numbers are not the same as they are in the black community so we have to separate that from it being just a gay man's disease because it is affecting all of us. You know, um, you know, my first experience with with HIV was from a with a with a woman that I knew, and so it was not necessarily that it was if somebody gay that I knew that it was affecting first. And so mm. I think that that's like one of the silent secrets. Because everybody's out here having sex. Like everybody's right. doing like, you know, that's a human and function and that's something that everybody's going to do. But how do we, how do we, um, no, I'm not saying you, you felt that way. I'm just saying <laughs> that was the premise I, and I'm not. Yeah. I don't want to go back and forth cause I <laughs> didn't read the comments, but, right. um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that people do think. Like I've had people, you know, say to me like, um, or kids say to me like, oh, my mama told me like not to use your forks in the house or, you know, or. Um, or stuff like that, you know what I mean? To be like, you know, if you're going to hug me or if you touch me or if you eat after me or if you drink after me, then you're going to be compromised, which is the furthest thing from the truth.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think like far as um, our culture is concerned, we do that or we did that because we were ignorant. We didn't know. So we were just going by what everybody was was saying because I remember growing up, I had an uncle and he had, um. HIV or AIDS, one of them. And when he came to live with us, that's what we thought: if we drunk behind him, we ate behind him, that we were going to get it. But we were young; we didn't know. So I think if people don't take the time to educate themselves, then they're gonna make dumb remarks.
3: Yeah, Go, I mean the um, thing is, like we're not talking about it, so that's why people don't right? know. You know what I mean? We're not. It's mm-hmm. not an open conversation. Like for me. I put it out there, like I will start the conversation just for the sake of being able to open the space for you to ask questions and for me to educate, because this fine. is my life. Like I live this. This is every day for me. Like I take a pill every day so that I can make sure that my body is in, like, in in the best shape to be able to fight anything that happens. Right. And so because of that, um, you know, I, I feel like everybody needs to understand. Like, yes, like I'm, like, yeah, you, I can make it look good, but it's not easy, and it hasn't been an easy road. And if I can educate you and, and and change your experience in terms of what you know about HIV and whatever fear you may have, because typically it's fear that is fueling the behavior in some type of way. If we can kind of tackle that fear and, and, and really understand what HIV is, what it does to the body, how it's transmitted, mm-hmm. um, how, you know, treatment works um, and mm-hmm. how families and friends can support their family and friends who are living with HIV. Because based on the numbers, like somebody that you know is living with HIV.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what would be a good time to really sit down with someone that you're in a relationship with and say, hey, you know, this is a disease that I have and it's affected my life. Day one. Is it a certain time? Or
3: Day no? one. Day one. Day one. You lead with that. That's okay. that's as a part of me as being black and a man. And mm-hmm. so um, if I'm going to lead with those things, I need to lead with is all of my truth so that mm-hmm. if there's anything down the line that happens, you can't say that you didn't know all of me from day one. Right. Okay. Okay. So, because I, I did that. I did that one time. I dated this guy. This was probably the first guy that I did date after I was positive and I had gotten to undetectable. So, you know, I was still fearful about letting people know because, you know, in, in my mind, it's just like my stock was going to go down and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to date who I want to date. And mm. so, I mean, that is something that people really do think about whether good or bad and different is the truth. And so, um, when I, um, when I actually finally told him, you know, we ha- we hadn't had sex yet, also, um, okay. and so I was just like, I, I don't, I'm not gonna tell him until like we got to get to that point. But I, I, like we had sex emotionally, like we had intimacy, like we were, it had gotten emotionally connected, and so by the time I did okay. tell him, he felt like he didn't know me, and so like I was like, and I understand, and I understood, and so from that point on that was a learning lesson for me. It was just like, you need to lead with this and always give people the opportunity to say yes or no. And That's it also right. gives you the opportunity to safeguard your emotions and not get attached to somebody who knows that they can't deal with that.
1: Right. Right. So I know, um, what was that question I was about to ask? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the first year when you first found out, Were you as open to talk about it? Like at what point, I'm trying to figure out at what point were you, because I understand when you're saying, you know, you basically like whoever you're dating from day one, but at what point did you really become comfortable with, okay, this is me. This is what the doctors say I have, but you know, everything is good on your part. You don't look like what the doctor is saying. You don't look sick. So you can go out and want nobody to know anything. So at what point did you become real comfortable with self to say, Um, Hey, my name is Nathaniel Holly and blah, 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 blah. Once once
3: my family knew Mm -hmm. and once I was able to kind of get their support, um, the world didn't scare me anymore.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. So what did your father um, say? That
3: was really important. Um, It it took me like a year to tell my mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you know, cause I just, I felt like she's kind of emotionally fragile and just wouldn't be able to deal with it. You know, she's right. a single parent who raised me and, you know, I was just like the last thing you want to tell your dad, black mama. Mm-hmm. And
4: That's so, right.
3: uh, I actually ended up telling my dad and my sister first, um, because I was, um, having some challenges, um, you okay. know, just with trying to create a, a, um, a care network for myself, you know, I'm right. doing it in secret. So, I, you know, it, it's hard. So once they found out, and, and even especially after I told my grandmother who passed, and she was like 101 when she when she passed oh, away, God. but she was like my best friend. And so when I told her, she was like, well, Magic Johnson got in and he fine. You ain't got nothing to worry about. <laughs> I still love you. And, right. you know, you can always come home. <laughs> that,
2: that that was good because I, I think that, um, why well, I believe that mm-hmm. support is necessary. Right. It helps you cope and get through. Because yeah, I couldn't imagine you know, someone telling you something like that because the first thing you're going to think is oh my God, like, this is the end. Like, I'm not going to be Right. Here. Right.
3: Yeah, Milo. I mean, that and is then, what I thought. Like, I felt like my future had a time clock and it was ticking a lot faster than I expected.
2: Right.
4: And
3: so it was just like, damn, like, now I got to do all this shit before I get, I, I mean, I don't know if I can curse. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah you oh, okay. I, I like, now I got to do all this stuff like, that I want to accomplish, like quick, you know, it's right. like I don't have like you know all these years that I've been planning to live because my grandfather, my great grandfather, lived to be 105, and my grandmother lived to be 101. You know, like oh, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm like I'm about awesome. to get up there and be doing it. Right. You know what I mean? And so at that moment, it was just like, okay, now I'm not going to be able to have kids because I still want to have kids naturally. You know, it was just like a lot of different things, and so I had to educate myself to even get through it. See, even being HIV positive, sometimes we don't even educate ourselves because right. there are ways that I can still have kids um, that is they won't be HIV positive. Mothers who are HIV positive can can have children that are not positive, especially if they're on treatment and if they're taking mm-hmm. care of themselves. They're, and um, even with, you know, this whole... Um, Thing about um, uh, 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 a condomless sex or or whatever. If you do have sex with somebody who is HIV positive and they are on treatment, there is a zero point zero zero one percent chance of you testing positive. Really can't happen. There's no there's there's no research that supports that that will happen. And I've been on treatment for eight for for, well ten years. And mm-hmm. I've never put it, given it to anybody because my viral load has never been at the at a level to where it can be transmitted to somebody Transmute. else.
2: Oh wow! Because I- so,
3: then so people don't know. That. As long as somebody, and so if people can be honest about being on treatment, mm-hmm. you can support them with their treatment, and then that kind of safe, like that, really will help the entire community because people don't take don't if they're taking their medication in secret, then sometimes they're gonna forget. They're not going to want to oh, refill yeah. their medication because, oh, they might walk in and they see somebody, oh, let me walk out. I'll come back. And then they don't do right. it. You know what I mean? You got to be consistent with that. You know what I mean? And and the best consistency is accountability. And so when you got people in your life who are holding you accountable, it's like, okay, you know, checking on you every now and then. Like, when was the last time you went to the doctor? How were your last? Right. If you know to ask that. But a lot of people don't know. Like, how's your T cell count? Like, yeah, you still undetectable. All right, well, great. I don't need to ask no more questions. I'm good. I just want you to know you can talk to about talk to me if anything changes. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, and
2: that's so.
1: and that's good information because that goes back to what Gan was just saying. You know, before we even thought about if you touch somebody, at fault that has HIV, right? You're going to catch it too.
3: Mm-mm. So for
1: you to say that even with um the medication and you're undetected. There's different things that you still can go on about your regular life. You don't have to put a time clock on it. You don't have to worry about if you're going to give it to somebody else. Mm -mm. That's a lot of information. I think that plays a part, like you just said, with people wanting to know, excuse me, wanting to know or even talk about it because they're afraid that others are going to automatically think like, oh, I don't want to be around you right. because you might have it and I can't do this and do that with you because you mm-hmm. might breathe too hard and I might catch it. You know, all these different you know myths of how yeah, you Yeah, I mean, I it. grew
3: up hearing the same thing, which is crazy. Because so that I'm like, well, damn, do I need to like make sure nobody drinks after me? Do right. Do I need to be like overly cautious? Like, do I need to make sure nobody eats after me? Like, I can't, you know, hug nobody too close, right. or you know yeah. what I mean? Honestly, I felt that way. And so when you really go into that, you really start to go into a cycle of self hate
4: mm-hmm. something
3: that at this point you cannot change. Right. And so the the biggest thing that you can do right then is accept it and figure out what you can do to, to to continue to live and live a healthy life. And and part of that is having the community around you, people that you know you can talk to. And so it's it's a two way street, I think. And so that's why I speak out because you know a lot of people are afraid to do that. You know they're afraid to kind of get into that to that to that moment to where they expose themselves because they feel. Embarrassed about how people are going to think about how they got it. I mean, hell, like I got it by having sex, okay? How right, get here, they get you, they come by having sex. I mean, <laughs> that's it, right, It is, I mean, there, but there are numbers that, in terms of um, intravenous drug users and and they tell me that is the whole section mm-hmm. as well, right? But I mean, let's just talk about it, you know, let's talk about exactly like that. Gay men you know, should be um, allowed to express themselves mm-hmm. so that they don't get into a world that then, like, I never expressed myself around my family. So now I'm just going to go buck wild because nobody allowed me to be gay. And so I'm yeah. being gay out here in the world with people who don't care about me.
0: You and know, you know right, because okay, I've had some friends who
3: I knew who were raised gay and their parents accept, accepted them and allowed them to matriculate as gay and do the whole, like, you know, little, if they like a boy or they talk to them. And, and you really coach them through that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I was never coached through that. I was always coached to be like the dominant go-getter player, go after women, get as many as you can, blah, right. blah, blah. So then when I get out here and I'm in the gay community, what am I doing? What I was taught. That's you right. Know? I mean, I'm, I have uncles that were real pimps, like like wow. that literally had purple Cadillacs and had like stables of women's in the, in the, oh, in wow. the 60s and oh. the 70s. So like, I, like that is literally the world I come from. And so mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of like, Protecting ourselves and educating ourselves about health, like, it just does not apply to our our gay boys or our gay girls. It applies to all kids because kids are out here having sex earlier and earlier. That's right. And then you have these grown people out here who are predators who go after these kids because they're not aware of themselves and they don't know what's going on in the world. And then they get caught up at 18. 19 in their first little situation you know what i mean because they're not aware that everybody don't care about you you know what i mean or about you as a as, as a person like a lot of people really will just use you like like a dish towel that's and right so, mm-hmm. because of that like be on a day one like what like when's the last time you went to the doctor like do you go to the doctor regularly do you work out like how are you about health care like i'm hiv positive like what's your status you know, like like day mm-hmm. one, like be bold enough to protect who you are, because right. at the end of the day, nobody else is going to do that. Like, it's right. just not yeah. going to happen. Nobody's going to care that much about you. And right. that's
2: why we we thank you for actually sharing, because a lot of people may not want to share because you know they may feel alienated or whatever for whatever reason. But hopefully, when they see this episode or hear it, they may want to come to terms with actually who they are. And, you know, and be
3: authentic. Yeah, I mean, you can be gay and masculine. I played football all the way. If I was on varsity, you know, um, like you can like masculine things. Like, you know, you Mm. don't have to be a certain way just because you're gay. Being homosexual means that you're attracted to the same sex. That doesn't define how you walk out the door, how you talk, how you walk, anything like that. Now, there is an expression of gender fluidity that I I understand and, and that I celebrate because... You know, the more you know, the the more you're able to understand the whole history of the masculine and feminine energy in terms of how we have built it into culture,
4: mm-hmm. you
3: know, um, you know, in, in our native lands. And and really, really go back to history before colonization, like the, the people who were able to float between two spirits were the ones who were deemed as the ones closest to God because they were able to embrace both male and feminine energy, which is what God is. Mm-hmm. And so, when you can do that like that, and so they were revered as like the the witch doctors of the tribes, the healers, the 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 chiefs. Hey. Like these were the 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 people that they, everybody would go to for their healing and, and for their direction. And so, you know, for now us to be at the bottom of the totem pole, it's just like you know that has all come from dogma and culture, from a Eurocentric you know avenue that has really nothing to do with how. You know, human humanity is, is was intended to live, and that's why right. can, culture has continued to evolve as it as it has to, because we've always existed, we've always been here, and we always will be here. Right. And right. the more that more space that we, is created for us to be able to just kind of exist, the better off everybody will be.
2: Right, right. now, let me ask you this: um, at what age, you know, I know, like some parents sit their kids down and talk to them about this the birds and the bees, right? But, you know, like you were saying, kids are doing things now faster than what we did, you No, know? So do you think there's a certain age where the parents should, should sit them down and say, hey, while they're talking to them about the birds and the bees, they need to be talking to them about things that can happen like HIV and AIDS?
3: Well, the birds and the bees needs to be about what sex is, Mm-hmm. um and and what can happen when you have sex uh what sex is supposed to be um and the dangers i mean all of that so it should be in the birds and bees conversation but mm-hmm. really what it should come about is about teaching kids about their bodies and, you know don't let anybody touch or violate your personal space this is your personal space and this is why this is your personal space is because this is something that can affect you for the rest of your life this is where babies come from this is where mm-hmm. and but also it is because of that It is something that should be protected and make you have to make sure that you are safe in terms of how you engage with whatever sex you're attracted to. You are going to be attracted to people, you know, and so you're going to you have to just be real because these kids are seeing it like you may not have a conversation with them, but Mm -hmm. they're going to absorb it from somewhere else. And that's going to form their opinions and their diet, their their their, uh, their view of what it is, whether you know it, whether they know it or not, it is going to affect it. And so because of that, you know, you have to teach them just the same way that I was taught about how to pray when things get hard Mm -hmm. or how to, you know, you know, go to my grandmother and, you know, and fast or, or, you know, any of the number of the things I've learned, you know, or, you know, when tax deadline, I mean, these are just things that people and kids need to know. I mean, you just have to teach them and not be afraid to have those conversations. And I think a lot of times Parents are afraid to have those conversations because they feel like, oh, now I'm giving them the license to have sex. Well, no, like you don't own their body. So they're going to have sex whenever they decide to have sex. That's That's a decision that nobody can make besides the one individual, unless somebody, you know, takes advantage of you. That's a whole nother thing. But, um, but then, which is even more so why you need to tell the, teach them that this is yours. You know, you own this, you control Mm -hmm. this and you don't let anybody come into this unless you dot, 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 dot. Right. Male or right. female, you know? That's, that's and so if you can kind of teach them that for our, for our young men who are out here who identify as bottoms or or whatever, they can then know, like, yeah, you don't just let anybody just, you know, you don't take your friends or, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Like, yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you're funny. you <laughs> funny, <laughs>
1: Right. But you're right, though. That, 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 that's a good point, though. So how did you get into the motivational speaking,
3: um, you know,
1: going on, you know, talking to, do you, you God talk God to kids or do you talk to ago. everyone?
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a gift that God gave me a long time ago. Like I said, like my, one of my weaknesses, is my ability to empathize with people, um, but it's mm-hmm. also one of my strengths. And so because mm-hmm. I understand the trauma of hard experience it, uh, and and having been able to go through those moments and come out better, I feel like I owe a duty um, to everybody to just share my story and share, you know, what I've gone through. And right. um, when I was coming up, you know, I was involved, heavily involved in the church. And so the church is, mm, you know, okay. really where I found my voice and, and I was truly empowered by my grandmother who I spent a lot of my childhood with and because, you know, she really respected my voice and my opinion. And so I would say things to her and she would like hear me. And, you know, a lot of times with a lot of black families or families in general, it's just like, you know, a kid stays in a kid's place and you don't really pay Mm -hmm. them any mind when they say certain things. But with me, it was different. And so that really made me feel empowered to always just be able to share my story. So even when I was in high school, I shared a story about growing up in a single parent household and what that was like and the challenges that I went through, you know, feeling like as the man or the only male in the house, how strong I had to be and how much I had to carry. You know, you know, and, and luckily I had, uh, you know, other men in my family, but it's just like I had other family members who were adjacent to me who were in the same situation, who ended up in the streets and mm-hmm. who are now dead. And, wow. you know, and these are kids that we used to you know, take baths together, you know, as, as kids, you know what I mean? And we would have very, very different lives and it was really just because um you know i had a lot of support and i think that Mm -hmm. um they saw something in me that you know every a lot of people really nurtured over the years and so um because of that you know pay it forward you know let me help somebody else let me help somebody else and and let them know that they can get through whatever it is that they're going through because i've been through a lot of things you know i've been married i'm I'm divorced you know um and, and that even goes back to um just some of my advocacy um, when I did get married, I wanted other people who were HIV positive to know that you can find love too, because my, right. my mm-hmm. ex-husband was HIV negative. And so uh, we met and he, as I, after I had tested positive, And so it was, like, one of those, you know, romance stories, like, oh, you know, Cinderella, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so I was, like, I wanted to, like, let other people know. Like, yeah, like, a fairy tale can still exist for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, you don't have to limit yourself. Like, there are people out here who are not HIV positive who will want you. You don't have to limit Mm -hmm. your circle. Mm -hmm. You just be honest and be yourself. And um, if if that is intact, and if you are doing the work for you, they'll love Mm -hmm. who you are. uh, Exactly.
2: Absolutely. Exactly. I was, I was reading like before we started, and I was telling you that I read that um, it was like 56, 57% of women, African-American women, who actually um, have HIV AIDS. 58% of
3: so? a new diagnosis are women, are black women. 58%. 58,
2: wow.
1: Yeah. And like I was telling Gam in reference to that as well, do you think it's because maybe... And I'm thinking maybe because more women go to the doctor, hospital, ER, or what have you, more so than men. So they are counting that. In terms
3: of like why they're testing positive more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as that's why they're getting definitely a variable, um, uh, women have always historically taken better care of themselves than men. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, when you talk about black men, uh, in general, they don't really go to the doctor, even straight black men, you know, they may go once a year, you know, something pop up, something happens, they may go, but getting tested regularly and, and being uh, health conscious is not something that a lot of black men have been taught, um, historically, you know, um. And so that just goes back to, like, self-esteem, how you, how much you care about yourself, how, how much you care about how you show up in the world, and mm-hmm. what legacy you ultimately want to leave when you leave this earth. I mean, those are the things that motivate me, that push me forward. Okay. So, um, you know, it's crazy uh, in terms of, like, the numbers and how you're seeing it. But I think right. that there are a lot of different variables. I mean, I saw somebody say something about Down Low Men. I'm like, that is a variable. Honestly, it's a variable about men not having, not feeling like they have the space enough to be honest about what they desire. Because, you know, to be honest, like I identified as bisexual for a very long time because I still dated and I was attracted to women. Okay. And so, uh, but I was always honest, you know, at, well, after a certain point, I, I was like, I was right. honest, but at a certain point, I was still trying to figure it out for myself. Big, yeah, like, I to right. yeah. If I'm not a hundred percent sure, this is what I want for the rest of my life. Because I feel like as soon as I check it or as soon as I, you know, do this, like it ain't no going back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so for right. I mean, it's that fear. is just like, once I say that I might be attracted to this and this. You right, know, it's yeah. like mm-hmm. I might be excommunicated. I might lose everything that I love, and so that fear compels them not to say nothing. So that's why it's like if we can open the space to be like, all right, like if you are, it's okay. Let's talk about it. Like, let mm-hmm. me know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because like, like, are you on treatment? If you're on treatment, all right. Well, I mean, hey, let's. I mean, we can still rock. You know, honestly, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, like for real, for real. And, and then for for women, you know, right now, I think that. um PrEP it hasn't wasn't pushed enough to them when it first came out. Okay. Um, PrEP came out. It was like a little blue pill that you can take. And if you're sexually active and not using a condom, it prevents you from getting HIV if you mess messing with somebody who is not virally suppressed. So mm. if you take that pill and you're sexually active, it basically like it kind of safeguards yourselves from accepting the virus. And so um, they pushed it to, black, to, to the gay culture like it mm-hmm. was um, Tic Tacs. They threw it out there, but sure. they didn't really push it to women. And especially okay. not to even to black women. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, black people, because we're at a you know lower totem pole in terms of the equity and the healthcare system in this country, mm-hmm. you know, it was probably more important for them to go there than they than to the white communities because, you know, we typically like they stay in their communities and we kind of stay in ours for the most part based on the data. Right. You know, so um I mean there's something to be said about all of that.
2: Yeah, I'm sure, and it, it's it's and I'm sure that you know over time it has evolved, like even with the information, with the medicine, and all of that. Um, but I wanted to ask you, like, why is it that a lot of times with gay men, or just gay period, um, dealing with church, right? Um, I was reading maybe a couple of weeks ago before um, I th- asked you about coming on the podcast and I watched one of your um, recordings and you guys were talking about um, the gay church, the gay community, I mean, not the gay community. The, the church,
3: black church and their role. Church, right, and their yeah. role.
2: Like, mm-hmm. you do you still feel the same way that they're not involved enough?
3: Yeah, I think that because... It's not enough for you to do an HIV testing day. It's not enough for you to, you know, on HIV awareness day, you put up a little banner and you may have a little HIV AIDS ministry, you know, for people who are, you know, typically on the, uh, on the uh, n- not so good side of their health. And so it's more of like, we're the church and so we're supposed to, you know, treat everybody. And so we kind of like have to do this, you know, or else, you know. We're um, not seen as giving love to all people, but then there has to be a shift in the theology of Mm -hmm. the black church. And so, like, you got to get to the root of why these kids are going out here doing what they're doing, because they don't feel like they have a place to go to to get genuine love. And so as soon as somebody tell them that they love them, boom, they're ready to open their legs or whatever, You know what it's I mean? And, that, and that's really the truth. It really comes mm-hmm. down to the levels of love that you received and how much you feel like you need in order for you to feel good about yourself. And so mm-hmm. if you're not getting that from the church, because of their theology is telling you to hate yourself because there's something about you, you can't change and you can't pray away and you try and you, and you go to conversion camps, which I was put in, you know, by my father, oh, wow. um, it, you know, uh, and, you go through these things and you try to change and you want to change and you, you know, mm-hmm. delete all your social media. You stop talking to gay people. You do all these things because you want to live right. But ultimately you created a hell for yourself to please mm-hmm. everybody else. And, you know, there are so many people who have done that, but that, and that ultimately, like there's nobody who can tell me that's what God wants for me.
4: There's nobody
3: in the world who can tell me because I know God. I've studied the Bible. I've studied multiple religions. I've, you know, I've meditated at the top of Buddhist temples in South Korea. And I've, you know, I've sat and dined with the, some of the most famous black pastors and talked about, you know, the theology of the church and how, you know, this Eurocentric Bible you know, has taken all of these different things and, and formed it into a way for you to have control over the groups that you feel like that are less than because it's the same religion that held slavery for all those years. Mm-hmm. And this is the same religion that we hold to to continue to oppress our family, the people we love, you know, right. friends, you know, because we don't and we don't even know we're doing it. But guess what? Their soul feels it. Mm-hmm. And so when they lay up at night and their soul is is awake and it won't it won't let them rest, right? won't rest because yeah. you know it ain't been held right, right. Know, their whole their soul hasn't been hugged you know what i mean and so then the first person that offers them a little attention in that category then i feel a complete so now i got to get that all the time cuz i'm not getting it from nowhere else you know mm-hmm. what i mean and, and so mm-hmm. if the church can really come in and say i love all of you i yeah, love all right. of you like mm-hmm. I, I love you as a gay little little boy. Like let me help you figure this out so nobody takes advantage of you. Right. You know because you know a lot of times it's the gay little boys who end up getting molested because like somebody preys mm-hmm. on them or something. You know what I mean? This is like nobody put put attention towards that, so somebody can exploit it now.
4: Mm-hmm. Of right. course it
3: can be exploited. You can, you can exploit anything that somebody's not looking at. As soon as exactly. You, I mean you know what I mean? Like that's exactly what happens nine times out of ten. So, wow. yeah, that's true. Speak to the church to say, "All right, we have to change how we're, yeah, definitely. How, we're how we're teaching this Bible." You know what I mean? Because the, mm-hmm. you're always supposed to exegete, you know, or take out new things based on how the world has evolved. We're not living 2,000 years ago, and if you teach anything from the Bible, you have to keep it in context. Mm-hmm. Some of those books were written specifically for monks. It's like you know, these are like different chapters for different right. people in society. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can really peel back those layers and get back to, OK, what was the, the main message of the Bible? OK, God is love. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the golden mm-hmm. rules. You know, don't kill nobody. You know, don't steal from nobody. These are just general it's things general, about being yeah. a good person. If you can take those things from, from the essence of what religion is supposed to be and the black church push it and allow people to come into that space and not feel judged, then, right. then yeah, then until that happens, they're not doing enough.
1: Okay, I got okay. you. I got right, you. And, and that's true. But let me ask you this. What would you tell another person, whether it's a teenage boy or a 20-some-year-old um, man, what would you tell them if they come to you and you just happen to be talking to them or whatever, doing one of your um motivational speaking places or wherever you run into them at? What would you say to them if they telling you in reference to they having this situation where they're not sure whether they want to, do what the family wants them to do, the family and friends, or whether they want to do what, what their heart tells them. Or, you know, I know you mentioned earlier on in reference to your father um, pretty much gave you an ultimatum and you had to leave and you end up leaving Ohio going to D.C. And that's where you felt like you ran into, you know, the situation that you ran into. Had your, you know, you received love, you might have stayed um, in your hometown. What would you tell the next the next you, another person that had the same situation that you had early on? What would you say to them at this point in your life?
3: If 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 I could go back to myself and and talk to the maybe the first day me when I first got off that plane to DC is um just because you didn't get love from your family doesn't mean you need to get it from the world. Mm-hmm. There is a certain element of um, love that you can produce for yourself. And that is why it's important to always have a connection with a higher power. Because that higher power gives you enough purpose for you to say, look in the mirror and say, I love you. Right. And that is what I tell, you know, my nieces, my nephews. How are you loving yourself these days? I don't care about how you relationship. Like, how are you loving yourself? Are you are you going to therapy if you if you having challenges? Or are you dealing with the trauma? Or... Mm-hmm. Are you, you know, are you dealing with, uh, um, what is it, the P. Diddy syndrome where you got to be on 24-7? You know what I mean? Like, right. like, how is the world affecting you and how are you loving yourself through that process? And, you know, and telling them, okay, well, this is what I do. And so mm-hmm. if if you can see it and you can hear it,
4: mm-hmm. you know, I
3: got two senses already. Right. So you see how I live. And that's Mm -hmm. why I promote and I put it out. If every single post that I put on Instagram, HIV positive is right at the top of my profile. If you Google me, Nathaniel Holly, HIV is the first thing that will pop up. And I actually work in corporate America. So, you know, I've had my own fears about that affecting my job because I don't necessarily disclose openly at work. Um, okay. because it's not necessary, you know, that's, right. that's a professional environment. What I do and, you know, I don't even really tell people that I'm gay. Um, that's right. really none of your business um, right. Unless, right. unless we have like that type of relationship. relationship mm-hmm. right. So, um, uh, so yeah, so, you know, th- there are, you know, challenges that, that we go through, um, and that you're going to go through. And so, you know, what I would just tell them is find a way to, to make sure that you're always loving yourself. And for me, how I love myself is I go to the gym regularly. You know, I make mm-hmm. sure I stay up on the dot I'll go to the doctor and I, right. I check in with myself. You know, okay. I, I always check in with me because, you know, I guess because uh, I, have, I have four siblings. But uh, with mm-hmm. me and my sister, we were the only ones raised in the same house. And my sister is okay. six years older than me. So, like, I spent a lot of time alone. And right, so, yeah. like, you know, I was the kid that, like, had imaginary friends and, like, all that kind of thing and, like, was able to, like, you know, have fun all by myself. Right. But, you know, in my adulthood, I found that having that ability to be able to really go into yourself and, and to really be, be honest with yourself about what you're going through, what you're feeling, you know, and what you need to kind of correct, you know, then there's power in that. And when you kind of find that power, like, it is empowering and, and right. it kind of, like, emboldens you in how you move through the world.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I got you. Right. I guess. Now, what would you, now, if, um, what are one of the myths that people always put on um, HIV and AIDS? Like one of the ones that kind of like go to. Um, I know, like for us, it was, you know, we wouldn't, we didn't want to eat by my uncle, anything mm-hmm. like that, because we felt as though we were going to get it. But for you, and being that you are, Well versed in this now, what are some of the things that you have heard that is definitely a myth, but people are still pushing it out there?
3: Oh, people still saying don't drink after me. You know, like that's what I'm doing a panel next week uh, for Youth HIV AIDS Awareness Day, and one of the youth who's on there, you know, has been to my home and basically told me that my mama told me not to um, you know, mm-hmm. drink after, you know, you, or, um, you know, really use your plates or anything like that. Right. And, you know, most people are on or open with me cause I'm a, really, right. I'm an open book. Like if you ask me anything, nine times, 10 times out of 10, I'm going to be honest with you. Right. Like I really don't have much much to hide if anything. And so, um, when I found that out, I was just like, you know, this is so funny. Cause I remember being a kid and thinking that too. And here we are 30 right. years later. And The same right. shit is going on. It's like, no, young young brother, let me educate you. That and I would right. literally pull up, like, this is what the CDC is saying, like says about this. And you know, and you know, if you if I hadn't have told you what you have known, and right. you know, this is the pill that I take every day. And so you educate them like that. It's just like, oh, it's just like Honestly, it can be compared to diabetes or, or high to blood pressure in terms yeah. of how it's categorized because you got to take a pill every day to keep a pre- blood pressure together. You got mm-hmm. sure to make sure you take your insulin. If your insulin is regulated. this is just something that, you, but based on the way that you have lived, just like diabetes and heart failure are just based on how you've lived that you've acquired certain conditions. Now you got to take care of yourself. This is right. no different. It's the same thing. And so I think if we can kind of get it out of the fact that, oh, you got it by having sex. Well, no. Everybody that got it didn't have sex. That's you know, right. the commission that I was on uh, for Ryan White, uh, which exists um, under Title IV, under and uh, around the country, um, Ryan White was a little white boy who got um, HIV from a blood transfusion because uh, mm-hmm. he was sick. And so, um, when he tested positive for HIV, that he went through all the experience of it being a gay disease as a right. little kid who had n- no control over how he got it. Right. And Uh so based on that, they've um, the country has created all these grants and programs to to make sure that no matter how much money you make, there are resources out here for you to get. But the unfortunate thing is when you talk about health equity in this country, Mm -hmm. it doesn't uh, it it is not equitable. You know, it it doesn't equal out in terms of how black people um, or or black communities uh, are able to access health you know, because there are a lot of barriers with co-pays and there are barriers with pay and there are barriers with, you know, privacy and, you know, there, you know, there are all these different things. So it's like, if I go to the doctor, I don't feel comfortable going to the doctor in my neighborhood. So I want to go maybe in the next county over, but how do I get there? You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, protect myself because if somebody knows, and if I'm in a particular community, I may get killed. You know what I mean? Depending on what yeah, side yeah. of the spectrum you're on. I mean, in terms, in terms of my trans sisters and, or anybody of the trans experience, I mean, there are certain elevated levels of danger that we have just by being Black and staying in our community. So, you know, yeah. it's just like, how do we kind of like bridge that gap? Okay, well, I'm going to talk about it. I'll let you know this is what it looked like. And mm-hmm. I mean, if you have a problem with it, we can still throw hands. So, you know <laughs> what I mean? So- <laughs> right.
2: That's right. That's
3: right. Yeah, yeah, because that's that that is the life and I mean I was raised as a man, you know what I mean? I'm, I am a man, you know, just because right. I'm J or because I like men, that doesn't change the fact that I have a masculine energy and that that's I'm right. here to express myself however right. best I feel. And so um, you know, there's I don't know if y'all have seen this show like the Bad Boys Club. Um, that's been coming on uh, on Zeus Network, but it's like a mixture of gay and Black men. And so the right. topic of mm-hmm. having to always put the fact that you're gay into, into the space, it's just like, okay, there needs to be a certain consideration for our people who have to then additionally label themselves or consider how they will label themselves uh, when they go into a room. So let's say you walk into a room, you're a Black woman. I can openly see that. But mm-hmm. do what else do you have to choose how you express? Do you choose, I'm going to show up as a black straight woman. Do I show up as a black straight woman who is HIV negative? Do I show up as a black straight woman who goes go to the doctor regularly? Like, how do I decide to show up? Do I have to mm-hmm. then put those things in the forefront? And for me, I always have to decide, am I going to walk into a room and be anything more than just a black man? because until I open my mouth you don't know anything right. exactly mm-hmm. and um and, and when I do that I I open space and I create space for other people to do the same and right. I think that is why it's important for us to talk about it and for people who are living with HIV who are on treatment and who have who have um kind of found um um a journey to wholeness is what I call it it's important mm-hmm. for you to say something to, to educate it is, it people is. around you, you know what I mean? Because that is the way that you really impact it from the, out, from the inside out as well as the outside. It has to be both, not either or.
1: Okay. So so let me ask you this. So based on all of that, so are you saying, you do you feel as though you need to walk in a room or soon you get to talking to people you have to pretty much a- announce what you are diagnosed with?
3: It depends. It depends on the space. Um, it, it depends on the space and also the space that I want to create for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for me, I I feel like, um, when you can create space for people to really be themselves, you can actually see who they are. I want people to see me when you first meet me. I don't want you to be like three months later. Oh, I I never really knew who he was or or like I'm surprised or, you know, when you what you see is what you get. And I feel like when you have that level of transparency, people are kind of drawn to that in in some way because it allows them to be just as transparent because I'm like, I don't care if you judge me. You know, mm-hmm. I live in a really judgment free zone. You know, only person mm-hmm. that can judge me for real for real is God. And as long as That's I'm kind it. of aligned with what's in my heart and how I'm moving, then I don't really give a fuck about nothing else. Like that yeah. that really is what motivates me. So mm-hmm. um when I when I go into those spaces and I create space for other people to then do that, I feel like, you know, that is a gift.
2: Mm-hmm. You
3: know, and that was a gift I wish I was given at some point because I was not given those spaces for people to come and create space for me right now how how important is mental health oh I mean I think for everybody even just in the code like in this world in today's time mental health is like it's synonymous with going to the doctor
4: mm-hmm.
3: you know like if you're going to the doctor and you're not doing anything towards your mental health or at least acknowledging that you have a a, a mental health aspect of you like you have a spiritual health you have physical health you have mental health like these things all play a part with each other and if any one of them is misaligned um you can find yourself having issues right so you know for us and i think us as a people black people and i to speak to them specifically we have not mm-hmm. historically um advocated uh therapy right. and so because we haven't advocated we have taught ourselves to deal with trauma And continue to deal with trauma, no matter how it comes out and it manifests in your behavior. And that is not okay. And so we excuse things because of the level of trauma people have gone through and never dealt with. And that is a problem for anybody who, who is in that space. For me, therapy was something that my mom uh, introduced me to as when I was younger, um, mm-hmm. when, my, uh, when her and my father divorced, and she wanted to make sure that I had a space to express myself if I was going oh, through okay. anything, and that I was acknowledging the space that there was a shift happening. But there was a lot of other trauma that I never got to express or deal with. And I carried up into my adulthood. And it honestly wasn't until I forced myself into therapy because of the mental health challenges I was having by keeping HIV a secret and trying to deal with it on my own. When I went to therapy, it allowed me to first put that on the table, but then understand that there was more things in my bag that I brought into that therapy session. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just HIV. You know right. what I mean? Like, I had daddy issues, I had mommy issues, I had family issues, I had issues with my self value and feeling like I always had to do things for other people in order to receive love or that I had to achieve a certain level in order to receive accolades from my family. You know, like, I had a lot that I had in there. And so it really wasn't until HIV was really the tipping point that got me to really deal with a lot of those things that were already there. Right that I should have been dealing with. And that is why I know that mental health is so important because having all those things in that bag, I mean, people could say what it was, anything, but you know, when you carry a lot of baggage and a lot of weight, you know, you go into spaces and you don't realize what you're doing and you're not loving yourself the way that you need to love yourself because you're in pain because you're carrying a, a weight that you haven't realized. And you like, I wake up heavy. I wake up tired every day. Like, I don't mm. know. Like, I'm trying to push. And, you know, I just don't feel motivated. Right. And I just don't want to. You got baggage. You got stuff in your right. bag you're carrying around. And that's true. And everybody owes it to themselves to go back to that younger part of themselves that, that, that. That face some type of trauma. There's something that happens typically to everybody for us as defining in terms of how we decide to show up in the world in our childhood. You got to go back to that moment as an adult. Everybody has to go back to that moment as an adult and, and hug that child and make sure that they're okay because that is the child that fears us in a certain behavior. That is a child that fears us into staying in relationships that is unhealthy. That's the fear that you know that that pushes us to do a lot of different things or not do things. Mm-hmm. And so, really, until you deal with that um, and unpack that baggage, oh, you that, know, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you're not going to really be able to live a, a full and whole life.
2: And you are absolutely right. Yeah, you, you you said did. a mouthful yeah, on that one because <laughs> even though in my timeline on social media, I hear. A lot of people, well, see a lot of people talking about mental health and depression and anxiety and all that stuff. It's really real.
3: Yeah, I mean, everybody is going through something. And and, and the simple fact that people who identify as in the LGBTQI community, we have to, um, like, there's still a struggle, you know, for us. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if you don't want to show up and and get clocked, then you have to mask a part of yourself. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. it's just like, how many masks you want to wear? And then at yeah. what point does the mask become somebody who you don't even recognize? Yeah.
4: That's right. And, that's you know, right.
3: And that's the reality. I mean, a lot of people are dealing with anxiety, depression, um, schizophrenia. I mean, I come from a family to where, you know, I was hearing these words growing up about mental health, bipolar, schizophrenia, because I have members of my family who had mental health challenges. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, you know, that's just who they are. It wasn't yeah. until like they do something crazy. I'm like, no, they actually need to be on medication. Like, they need yeah, to be wrong. Like, yeah. in terms of like how there's some chemical imbalance there, or if there is. And that's a real thing. And there are things out here that can help support you. But there are also things like that, I, that I um, advocate for like mindfulness and meditating. Um, uh, living in South Korea, it really allowed me to see like what peace felt like. I had never experienced peace like I did, by um, from sitting on a mountaintop and, and looking out into the world and just closing my eyes and being able to fill one with God. When you yeah. kind of do that. And so every moment that I meditate, I go back mm. to that place. And so that's then I create great. that peace for myself inside my heart. So that's why I like meditation is really, really important because it allows you to weather the storm. We're all going to go through some storms. We're going That's to have right. some trials. We're going to have some ups. Right. We're, going yeah. We're going to have some downs. But it's how do you deal with those downs when you're down? Is it like, yeah. do you deal with those downs in a way that you're going to jump back up? Or is it going to take you like mm-hmm. two three, three years take to recover? You. Yeah. you know what I mean? And, you know, time waits for no man, you know, exactly. and, time, and for me, you know, I feel like, you know, uh, because even though I'm healthy, like I just feel like I gotta, I gotta build this legacy, you know. Because God kept me here for a reason. Because it could have yes, been right. worse. Like I got cousins who were straight who ended up being drug dealers and they got shot up in cars and stuff. So you know what I mean. Like it, I could have lived a completely different life. And the whole fact that I'm HIV positive, it does not change the impact that I can have on the world. And it doesn't right. change that for anybody else. meant My right. going to therapy uh, helped me realize that, and and it keeps me. Um, you know, grounded in terms of you know just how I look at myself and how I look at life, right? Wow,
1: but well, I have really enjoyed you. You I've enjoyed y'all I too. think I'm you, sorry? I think you know, you.
3: I, yeah. When y'all said I was coming on a podcast, I was like, well, I hope they know that I can talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but you have no, but really, you you know gave out a whole lot of good jewels. You know that a lot of people didn't know, including myself. So. I really enjoy you. You're going to have to come back. We're going to have to oh, do yeah, a part I two. To. I would
3: love to. Yeah. You're exactly. gonna have to do
1: You're Part two, because I feel like time went by so fast, but I feel like there was like a lot more that, you know, I myself even want to ask. And I know Gam probably have a whole lot. She want to ask, but you know, with her voice and everything. And then, you know, even the viewers and listeners, Um, I, I just really enjoyed all the information you was given. So yeah, you're going to have to come back.
3: So yeah, we're gonna I'd have to, um, to set that up, up. I, because I, I, you are gonna have to
1: come back to give part two because I know yeah because we can get
3: even deeper you know right. right. the whole marriage season that I had which was oh, right. Right. oh yeah we're we gonna like- have
1: to get part two you know we got to do the follow up and all of that <laughs> so I really enjoyed you um, coming on sharing part one because we we're going to do a part two because we're gonna do a continue to be continued that's what we're gonna put that into this episode to be continued okay, okay. and um. Then you're going to come back and let everyone that missed you the first time catch up. They're going to have to play catch up to hear what you have to say the second time, because I really enjoy it. I'm sitting here like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I enjoyed it. So we thank you for coming on. We're going to schedule see you again. So everyone that's watching, y'all are going to catch the part two with him. And give everyone, like, your um social media handle. And do you have, like, different speaking engagements that you actually have like a schedule for? Yeah, I, actually, up I just or... started
3: a talk show, um, like a panel series here in mm-hmm. Dallas, which is one of the the one you saw when I was talking about the Black Church was right. the first one I did at my house. Mm-hmm. And so um, we actually got a grant to continue to do that and to create space for people who are living with HIV and those that are not. So um, on every Awareness Day, I'm going to be doing a uh, Lux Talk panel series. Okay. So um, the next one I have is coming up on the uh, April 10th. And I have another one on April 18th. Okay, and Uh, it's called Yeah, and that one's Trans HIV uh, Testing Day, and then uh, April tenth is Youth HIV AIDS Awareness Day. Mm
4: -hmm. Okay.
3: And then my social media, um, if you um, Nathaniel Holly official on Instagram, and if you Google Nathaniel Holly, um, you'll find me. Or uh, my organization
1: is uh, Okay Google. uh, (laughs)
3: <laughs> and uh, my, my organization is uh the freelux So um check that out. Check out my Instagram. Um I post a lot of inspiring messages. I'm a writer, so poetry is something that um I kind of uh, use as a as a tool to kind of uh, express myself there.
1: Right. Okay. Well, we enjoyed you. And we have to go. We're gonna get back with you later.
2: How was this time? Oh, uh, we oh you wanna do that? Yeah.
1: Okay, well, she wants. See, she can't talk, so she's telling me what to say, but she said in the mic. So she wants what we normally ask all of our guests, how was your time here? Can you let everyone know how was your time with us on Way to Game Minute Podcast?
3: Way to Way to Minute Podcast has definitely been a treat. Y'all allowed me to um educate and and be myself, which I truly appreciate. Right. And um, thank you for just creating this space for people to come raise awareness and, and being able to, um, you know, push anything that they need on your, on your platform. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, I love black women. And so, you know, I, I love seeing two black women um, you know yeah. doing this. So thank you. It's been amazing.
2: Thank you. Thank you. We definitely we definitely appreciate it. Like Miss Gogeta said, we enjoyed you and there will be a part two. There will and Keep pushing. I'm watching, um, like, you know, the, um, was it FOLOX project?
3: Freelux, Free Lux. Free Lux, Freelux, F-R-E-E-L-U-X.
2: That's right, <clears throat> exactly. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely watching and, um, I'm excited to see what's yeah. in, what's in store.
3: Yeah, thank you. Y'all, if you go to our website, um, our last panel from, um, women and girls, HIV AIDS Awareness Day is on there. So please check that out. Um, that's when we really were highlighting the um the rates in terms of how women are being diagnosed with HIV. I
2: did see that. I, I saw that before we came on. Yeah. Okay. Okay, gotcha. So with that being said, we're not gonna hold you any longer and um we're gonna end it with our theme song and we're gonna get out of here.
3: All right, thank you, ladies. All right, take care.
2: You too.
0: Show that's breaking all the rules Started out from VA and now we on the move From local so to global Cause we got something to prove We came from the bottom Now we at the tippy top To hold it down for our people Cause we all we got It's a cold, cold world But we keeping it hot What I sit you on the line Ain't no to Work over here, still we having fun. Yeah, we say it like it is, ain't no holding us down. Yo, get us it. on the team, yeah we getting it done. And shout out to Travel yo you number know, one. Fun. It started with a dream that turned into a vision. Now educating new generations is our mission. Ears to the streets, yeah we steady pile and If it ain't about to change, watch your business. Now wait a minute, wave your hands with it. Wait a minute, wave your hands with it. Now wait a minute, wave your hands with it. We top picks, like we stop, pick, all up on the ground with it. Then wait a minute. Wave your hands with it. Now wait a can minute. Wave your hands with it. Now wait again a can minute. Wave your
4: hands with it. We toxic six like we all up on the ground with it. <laughs> Good night.